title of this sermon is The Right Place at the Right Time, and that story fits in with this idea of what we'll look at this morning with Philip being in the right place at the right time uh, in the life of the Ethiopian eunuch. And, uh, and I'll leave it with this, that my hope and my prayer is, is that you'll be in the right place at the right time with the people that God's put in your pathway of life. And so you got God's word in front of you. We're going to begin reading in verse 26 through 40. And so let's start now. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, rise and go toward the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. And he rose and went. And there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all of her treasure. And he had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning. Seated in his chariot, he was reading the prophet Isaiah. And the spirit said to Philip, go over and join this chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, do you understand what you are reading? And he said, how can I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now the passage of scripture that he was reading was this, like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter, like a lamb before the shearer is silent. So he opens it, not his mouth. <clears throat> In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation, for his life is taken away from the earth? And the eunuch said to Philip, <clears throat> about whom, I ask you, does this prophet say this about himself or someone else? Then Philip opened his mouth, and beginning with the scripture, he told them the good news about Jesus. And as they were going along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, see, here is water. What prevents me from being baptized? And he commanded the chariot to stop, and they both went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord carried Philip away, and the eunuch saw him no more and went on his way rejoicing. But Philip found himself at Astus, and he, as he passed through, he preached the gospel to all the towns until he came to Caesarea. <clears throat> and so this morning, I want to ask you two questions as we begin this message. We've looked at the life of Philip in all of Acts chapter 8. We looked at it last week. We're looking at it this week. We see things about him, uh, that, about his obedience and about his faithfulness and about his boldly proclaiming the gospel. I'll ask you these two questions. Do you follow God as simply and completely as Philip did? We saw that persecution drove him into Samaria. And when he got to Samaria, he didn't complain about his circumstances or his difficulties. He really just surrendered to the Lord and said, I'm going to make the most of my opportunity. He followed him simply and completely. And now in this story, an angel of the Lord speaks to him and tells him to go to this road that leads to a desert place. And he goes. It says, he rose and went. Do you follow God simply and completely? The second question is, do you share Christ as boldly across social, racial, economic, and ethnic boundaries? Philip shared the gospel with Samaritans. Philip shared the gospel with an Ethiopian eunuch. He moved across these barriers that exist. And listen, whether we intentionally create them or unintentionally create them, we all have barriers in our life. And so we need to ask the question, am I obediently sharing the gospel, boldly sharing the gospel across these boundaries? And so as we talk today, as we advance the gospel, which you are 
tasked with advancing the gospel. The Great Commission is not an option for us. It is what has been given to us to share the gospel where God has placed us as we move and navigate the life that he's given us. In church family, as we advance the gospel, there are four things that have to be evident in our life, and those are seen in this text. The first is this. As we advance the gospel, we, we must be spirit-led. To be spirit-led... Uh, that's an emphasis that is in Acts chapter 8, Acts chapter 9, Acts chapter 10. If you, when you read these three chapters as we walk through them, as we walk through some of them and we walk through the others in the coming weeks, you're going to see an emphasis on the role of the Holy Spirit leading early believers in the early church. And so these two stories highlighted the work of the Spirit as a part of God's sovereign plan. Like Philip, we can be conduits of God's grace if we will remain led by the Spirit. And there are three common characteristics of somebody who's led by the Spirit. The first is is this, they're flexible. Philip was flexible. He was not only flexible to how the Spirit was leading him. So go back to the beginning of Acts chapter 8. The persecution, the, the Lord used the persecution in his life to lead him out of Jerusalem into Samaria. So he's flexible in how the Lord leads. Why do we see now in verse 26, an angel of the Lord is now being used to lead him to this new place. And so he's flexible to how the Lord is working in his life, but he's also flexible about where the Holy Spirit leads. This is important for you and I to understand because if you were to ask Philip, what are the places you want to go to share the gospel? I promise you Samaria and the road to Gaza was not where he, they would have not been at the top of his list. So he was flexible. The second thing we know about somebody who's led by the Spirit is that he was sensitive, meaning he had a spiritual understanding not to resist the promptings of the Holy Spirit. That came from his own personal faith. That came from his own personal journey with the Lord. But listen, he had a spiritual understanding that when the Holy Spirit prompted him, he was not to resist that. He was to walk in that. And we see that even at the very beginning of this text, that when it says, rise and go toward the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza, what does it say? He rose and went. It didn't tell him where he was going and, or, what, or told him where he was going, but it didn't tell him what he was doing. So his sensitivity was, I'm not going to resist this prompting that I need to go. And so he went. And the third characteristic is is that Philip was obedient. Listen, we think about a story there in Acts chapter 6 when they laid their hands upon those men that they chose to help serve the widows. He, He was obedient to do what he had. He had a very robust ministry supporting the apostles' work there in Jerusalem, Persecution displaces him and puts him out into Samaria. And he's sharing the gospel with the Samaritans. He's literally standing in a Samaritan revival, these people coming to faith in Jesus. And then the Holy Spirit, through the angel, speaks to him about leaving this place and going to this road to share. And he does it. He's obedient. So somebody who's led by the Spirit is going to be flexible, they're going to be sensitive, and they're also going to be obedient. Listen, when we truly embrace the gospel... And we are determined to follow Jesus. Listen, church, we may find ourselves going where we never thought we would go and doing things we never thought we would do. Al Mohler said, obedience to the gospel often requires us to obey in unexpected ways. I didn't ask them this question, but if Daniel and Victoria, if I was to ask them and say, when you moved to Oklahoma in 2014, did you think you'd be where you are now? And I bet their answer would have been no. But as Daniel came to faith in the Lord, 
and God began to work in him and Victoria's life, they find themselves where they are now. Listen, this is what God does. His, our obedience and embracing the gospel message and following Jesus, we may find ourselves going where we never thought we would and doing things we never thought we would do either. And so let's look at what it means to be spirit-led. Verse 26 says, rise and go to the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. This is a road that wasn't traveled very much. Gaza was kind of known as a Philistine city. It was the last place to kind of get water before you entered the desert, the desert road. And so he's on this road. It's not a well-paved road. I think about it like my hometown, a dead-end street that I lived on. Nobody drove down the street unless you were coming to the houses at the end of the street. And here... He gets instructions to go get on this road. He has no idea what to expect when he gets on the road, but he rises up and he goes and gets on the road. He's following the Holy Spirit. The next part we see where the Spirit leads him is in verse 29. It says, and the Spirit said to Philip, go over and join this chariot. I'll talk about the Ethiopian eunuch in just a second. But the Spirit says to him, go over and join this chariot. And what did Philip do as verse 30 tells us? So Philip ran to him. How many times in your life, maybe I'm the only one in the room that this has happened to, that I felt the prompting of the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit has clearly spoken to me about doing something, and I moved like this. Right? That through the Holy Spirit's work, I know what I'm supposed to do, but I'm reluctantly because maybe the situation makes me uncomfortable. Maybe I don't like the person that I'm supposed to engage. Maybe, maybe this whole situation could be dangerous for me. And so I'm reluctant to do what the Holy Spirit's leading me to do. But the text tells us, by the way, the text tells us he encounters this guy on the road, the Ethiopian eunuch, and he runs to him. He didn't even fully understand what was going to take place in that moment, but he ran to him. It was like the chariot would have been moving at a slow pace, and he's running beside the chariot. Listen, he's not reluctant to get there. He's excited to be there. There's excitement in it. There's, there's an exercise that's taking place. And when we look at being spirit-led in Philip's life, it's cool to see, look at Philip. He was obedient to what was happening. We see this human obedience to this divine leadership. But here's the other cool part about this story. God was in the business of ordaining this moment. He knew that the Ethiopian eunuch was going to be on that road returning from Jerusalem after, after worshiping there. And so he put Philip there. And this is the coolest part about when we see God's sovereign hand and human obedience coming together for the advancement of the gospel. And so as one commentator said, the Lord of all creation has ordained that we would do his work, through, that he would do his work through us. Church, he wants to use you. He's put you on this road, this pathway of life, and he's putting people setting in chariots along the way. And he's just asking you to follow the lead as, as he guides you to people. And this is the coolest part about this because when you seek the Spirit's guidance and you obey the Spirit, you are helping fulfill what God has ordained, not just in your life, but in the life of other people. And this is how the gospel is spread. Listen, you don't have to feel led to share the gospel. God already gave you the great commission. You don't have to feel led to share the gospel with people. You are free to share the gospel with whoever, whenever, however you want to. But the truth is, is we should be praying for divine moments, divine appointments. We should be asking for eyes to see people in parks. Think about a, 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 that individual from Texas led to go where she went. 
found herself in a park looking with eyes, seeing somebody for a divine moment. How many divine moments do you have in your life? How many chance meetings have happened yesterday, last week, are gonna happen this week that God has ordained it and all he's asking for you to do is to be led by the spirit to allow it to happen, to be obedient to it. The second thing is, as we advance the gospel, as we advance the gospel, we must love people. As a man once stood up uh, in one of D.L. Moody's meetings and said, I've been for five years on the Mount of Transfiguration. He was proud that he knew Jesus and had this intimate relationship with him and had grown in this knowledge. So he was kind of considering himself to be in this position of, I've been on the Mount of Transfiguration. I've been enlightened. And so Dwight Moody, hearing this, says, well, how many souls have you won to Christ? It was a sharp question that he asked, and the man responded, well, I don't know. Moody persisted, how many people have you won? And the man said, I, I don't know that I've, I've won any. And Moody replied, well, then sit down. Because when a man gets so high that he cannot reach down to save others, there is something wrong. Listen, it does us little good to say that we're led by the Spirit we have a knowledge of God's word and we have a love for God's word if we will not be in touch with people. God's pathways always lead to people. And we have to ask ourselves a hard question. Do I love people enough? Do I love people enough to share with them the gospel message? Do I love people enough to share with them these things that, that I'm being taught in God's word? See, to be a great missionary is to be willing to love people and reach beyond barriers. Listen, church, there are people in your, on the road that you're walking that do not look like you, that do not speak like you, that do not act like you, they do not like the same things that you like. They do not live in the same neighborhoods as you. Listen, these people are being put in your path and the question becomes, do you love them enough to see them, to hear them, and to share with them the good news of Jesus Christ? Because there are two great ways that we love people. We see them now, let's go back to verse 27. It says, and he rose and went, and, went, and there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace. This is not Ethiopia, as in modern-day Ethiopia. This would have been referred to the city of Cush. Listen, I think Luke is descriptive in nature that he's, he's also pointing out that Isaiah 11, 11, where they talked about the remnant, God gathering the remnant from all of these places. He's, he's intentionally putting out that God was intentional in fulfilling this promise in Isaiah 11, 11, which references the city of Cush. I, I, think, I think that's something that Luke was paid attention to. So he's from this place. He's a eunuch. Eunuchs in the ancient world, slaves were castrated as boys in order for, in order for them to be used as keepers of the treasury. Eunuchs were considered trustworthy and loyal to their rulers. And so eunuch was often described as somebody who was a minister of finance or somebody who kept the treasury. Well, listen, Luke pointing out that he's a eunuch was also clearly stating that that actually was his position. That, that his, he had physically went through that change in order for this 
play. And so he's not just using the word as, as, a, as a unique way to say, or a, a common way to say that he was a minister of treasure. He himself was a eunuch. Now, why is this significant? Because he had been put in charge of the treasure. He was trustworthy and the official of Candace, the queen of the Ethiopians. Candace was a word used like Pharaoh and Caesar uh, and Rome and so forth. It was just kind of this common term. So he's, he's in charge of the, this treasury, but he's returning from Jerusalem to worship and he has a scripture in his hand. And these two things tell us, by the way, Philip is seeing these things. This tells us one of two things. Either he had an interest in Judaism or he had recently converted, or he had, he had converted to Judaism, not necessarily recently, but converted. So he had been to Jerusalem to worship. Now, why is this significant? Because in Deuteronomy 23.1, no one who has been emasculated by crushing or cutting may enter the assembly of the Lord. So he went as a convert to Jerusalem to worship, but he wasn't allowed outside of the court of the Gentiles. He was not allowed to go into the assembly to worship. And he's reading, and he's done this, and now he's on his way back, and he's reading the scriptures. He's reading Isaiah, which is, again, significant. Why would Isaiah be significant to a eunuch? Because in Isaiah 56, verses 3 through 8, God, Isaiah speaks about how a eunuch is seen in God's future. It was a hopeful passage for this man. So he's reading Isaiah now, he's not reading Isaiah 56, he's, eating, he's reading Isaiah 53, 7 through 8, which is what's quoted there in your text. Now, I want to say this about, we, as we advance the gospel, we love people. We have to see people where they are. Philip was fully aware of who this guy was as he approached him. He understood what was happening because he saw it with his own eyes. How many people did you walk past today that you actually saw when you came into this building? Listen, we walk past people all the time. We see people all the time. But how many people did you actually see? Do you have a neighbor that you've been meaning to visit? Or a coworker that you've intended to engage in a conversation? Or you wanted to do an act of service or give a gift to a struggling family? Or God keeps bringing one person to your mind over and over again. Listen, if God may be up to something in your life by doing those things, then listen, they may simply be sitting in the chariots waiting for you to see them. He also heard him. The text tells us that after he was told to go over and join them, it says, so Philip ran to him and heard him reading, which they read out loud. So he heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and he was reading this. There's something really quickly that I'd like to point out about this, that Philip teaches us how to be a good evangelist in this way. Evangelism is sometimes just about listening. We have to listen to where people are. We have to hear them. Now, you and I, if we're to be honest with ourselves, we might say that we're pretty good listeners. Some of us would might say, well, I'm definitely not a good listener. The truth is, is most of us in life struggle with, with actually being a good listener. Why? Because we say stuff like this, hey, how you doing today? And we just walk right past without actually hearing that they said that they were good or they were bad. Or we're in conversations with people, and as they're talking, we're not actually listening to the full statement. We've already started formulating a response based upon some of what they've said. Philip heard him reading. So he knew exactly where he was so that that would become the starting place for him to point to the gospel message. And this is why it's important 
Because the people in your life, the people sitting in the chariots of, your, uh, of life as you walk through this pathway, are you hearing them? Are you hearing the, the coworker at your workplace talk about the difficulties that they're experiencing in their life? What are you hearing from the children in your house that have yet to give their life to the Lord? And, and how are you starting in that place? What are you hearing from your neighbors as they talk about the things that may be going on in their life or the things that they're struggling with? What are you hearing anywhere in your life? We need to be able to hear people so that we can be ready to ask the right question, give them the right answer from that starting point, and then be able to move into action as God, according to God's purpose and will. It takes us to the third thing, that as we advance the gospel, we must use Scripture. You'll notice in this text, he asks the question, do you understand what you're reading? We would call this a bridge question, Right? This is a question that he heard where he was at and he was like, hey, I see you're reading this. Do you understand? Go back to the park story from the very beginning of the sermon. She's in the park and she asked the question, can you tell me about your religion? Right? It's a question that bridges the gap so that you can get to a starting point. And as the Ethiopian eunuch responded, he said, how can I unless someone guides me? And I can't help but think of Romans 10, 11 through 15 when I hear these words. It says, for the scripture says, everyone who believes in me will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between the Jew and Greek. For the same Lord is the Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call upon him. For everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. Listen, this is, this is the picture of what's happening. The Ethiopian eunuch is humble enough to say, I don't understand what I'm reading. I'm searching. I want to know more about this, but I don't understand unless somebody guides me. And then he invited him in. And in these divine moments, these chance meetings, think about how many of our divine moments that happened that if we would have just asked the question, we could have turned it into a spiritual conversation. I've been guilty so often of having conversations with people and getting right to that point where I know I need to ask the question and I won't do it. And I wonder how many times I've lost the opportunity and did lose the opportunity to share the gospel message because I didn't ask the question to bridge the gap. And then he gave an answer. And as he entered up, he saw that he's reading Isaiah 53. And listen, Philip wasted no time, as the text tells us in verse 35. Then Philip opened his mouth, and beginning with this scripture, he told the good news about Jesus. As Spurgeon said, the preacher's responsibility, no matter what the text of scripture is in view, is to read the text and make a beeline to the cross. That's exactly what Philip did. He understood Isaiah 53 in light of Jesus. Why? Because Jesus himself had saw his death and understood his death in, in reference to Isaiah 53. And the early Christians had taught that this was pointing to the suffering servant of Jesus Christ. And so Philip is explaining to this Ethiopian eunuch that Jesus is the suffering figure. Remember, he was confused as, is Isaiah talking about this about himself or is this talking about someone else? And Philip tells him, this is who Jesus is. He died a horrific, shameful death on the cross for your sins and for my sins. But his death was not the end of the story. God rose, God brought him back from the grave and exalted him in glory. And in this moment, this is the good news of the gospel message. And the Ethiopian eunuch is hearing this and understanding this and believing this. 
And listen, we don't know what the whole story was and how long this conversation took place, but what we know is this. He started with Isaiah 53, and it ended with the Ethiopian eunuch trusting in Jesus Christ. And in our gospel messages, we cannot be afraid to use Scripture to point people to Jesus. In fact, no gospel presentation should be void of the Word of God. We should all be able to explain Jesus from the Scriptures. It's His Word. It's living and active. And to be faithful witnesses, to be the missionaries God's called us to be where he's, he has us living, is to not only be prayed up and to be led by the Spirit, but it's to be studied up in Noah's word. And church family, please hear me, that your personal time with the Lord is your greatest evangelism training. You can come sit in a four-week class and learn how to share Jesus without fear, or you can know all the questions to ask in evangelism explosion. How, whatever you want to do, you can do every three circles you want to, but I'm going to tell you right now, the greatest evangelism training is, is you get before the Lord with this word and allow this word to transform your life, and it, out of the overflow of it will come the opportunities to share the gospel and to point people to Jesus. And so listen, when's the last time that you open up your Bible and shared the gospel with somebody. Maybe you didn't physically open your Bible, but mentally you had these verses memorized, like for all of sin and fall short of the glory of God, right? And the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. These, these verses that you put to memory to help point people to Jesus. If you haven't done that, then you should pray for an opportunity to do that this week. And so we don't know how things, how all the conversation that took place, but we know that at some point, Philip invited the Ethiopian eunuch to believe, and he did. And then this act of obedience took place that we read here. And it says, after, after they, as they were going along the road, they came to some water. There's a picture here of what discipleship looks like. Now, this is a short season, but as they were going, do you think Philip stopped talking about Jesus once he said he believed? No way, he was, he was walking them through. He got to this place of obedience and he sees the water. Now there's a significant question that the Ethiopian asked that's huge for you and I. He says, what prevents me from being baptized? Remember, this guy just got back from Jerusalem where he wasn't allowed to enter the temple assembly to worship because of his physical condition and because of his ethnicity. And in this moment, he says, what prevents me from being baptized? And it is like Philip in this moment says to him, let's get out and let's get baptized. Because what was happening was the barrier of both physical and racial prejudice had fallen. The barriers had, no, had been removed. And this is why it's good news for you and I. Because there is nothing that prevents you and I from coming to a saving faith in Jesus Christ. And then this monumental moment we see that the gospel was meant for the nations. And so both Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch were ready to act in obedience. They stepped down to the water. He baptized them and says they came up out of the water. And I'll just ask you this question. Are you willing to be obedient to how the spirit is leading you to love people and to share the gospel message with them? And it takes us to the final point that as we advance the gospel, we must obey. Philip was so in touch with the Holy Spirit. And as a result of that, he was where God wanted him to be. He was able to see people the way that Christ wanted him to see them. He was ready to help them in whatever way they needed to be helped. And he was bold in telling them. He was flexible, he was sensitive, and he was obedient. 
And the text tells us at the very end, that as they came out of the water, the spirit of the Lord carried Philip away. This, this idea of carried Philip away is the same idea that how Elisha was taken away. It's this idea of being snatched up. Now, this could be a miracle, or we could, or some would say that you can't read a miracle into the story that Philip literally could have just turned and went the other way and followed the Lord where he was leading. No matter how it's interpreted, though, we know this. Philip was, wearing, was willing to go wherever God was leading, leading him to next. And so was the Ethiopian eunuch. Philip, it was a new mission field. To the eunuch, it was home. But I can promise you this. Both went away rejoicing, full of joy, because that's what Jesus brings to our life. He brings joy. And joy from the Lord keeps us in a good mind. Joy from the Lord keeps us motivated. And joy from the Lord never fades away. And as they left this place, Philip found himself in a new place. And then he passed through all of these other towns preaching the gospel. What, what did he do? Everywhere he went. He preached the gospel, following the lead of the Holy Spirit. He would, he would finally make it to Caesarea. And when we read Acts 21, sometime in 2024, when we preach that sermon, we'll figure out that 20 years passed from Acts 21 to this passage here. And for 20 years, he settled in Caesarea, preaching the gospel. He'd become known as Philip the Evangelist as he proclaimed the gospel where God had put him. Now, what did the, what did the Ethiopian eunuch do? It says he went on his way rejoicing. And early Christian writings would tell us that he became the first missionary to Ethiopia. He became the one who proclaimed the gospel message. And as I conclude today, I'm reminded of two things. I'm reminded that God's grace is available to all people. And I'm also reminded that God wants to use his people to advance his gospel. And you may be in this room today, and you're like the Ethiopian eunuch, You've been going to worship services, you've been reading your Bible, but you don't understand, you haven't come to the full realization of who Jesus Christ is, and today, the scales have fallen off your eyes, your ears have been opened, and you understand the gospel message, and you want to respond by trusting in Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, you'll have that opportunity. But for the majority of us in this room, you've already made that decision. So you're like Philip in this story. Philip was obedient with the one and with the crowds. The large number of Samaritans that came to believe and he was obedient when God called him to share with the Ethiopian eunuch in a chariot. And listen, this same gospel message reaching different people, God wants to use you to take that gospel message to the people that you're interacting with. And so you have to ask yourself this morning, am I willing to take it? Remember, you became a believer because someone told you about Jesus. There's not a single person in this room that came to faith without somebody telling them. And so this morning, if you're gonna be the missionary that God has called you to be, the evangelist that God has called you to be, you need to be spirit-led. You need to love people as Christ does. You need to understand and proclaim the gospel using scripture. And you need to yield to the Spirit's leading by going where God calls you to go. Let's pray together.